Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Reclaimed American Podcast. Um, this is episode 39, and this is the first episode of a new direction for the show. One of the things that I've been working on is trying to find other veterans that are doing things that are creative, um, artistic, uh, in some way they're building something. Um, you know, like myself, I'm a woodworker. I'm looking to get a hold of people that are gearheads, artists, uh, writers, singers, anything that helps them to get those creative juices flowing, helps them with things going on in their head, and can possibly even uh, bring in a few bucks to, to their pockets. But um, today we have Mike Newcomb on the show. And uh, before we get into Baby T Chronicles, I do have to ask you one question about your name. Is your middle name really Duke? No, actually, uh, the story behind that is when I got to my first unit in the Army after basic and AIT and all that good, happy stuff. Um, I went in front of the motor start, platoon start, and all of them, and they took one look at my name and they said, <laughs> Duke, huh? Well, we can call you Duke from here on out. That is freaking awesome. I, I saw that in your name. I'm like, Duke Nukem. Dude, I love that fucking game. <laughs> oh, I do too. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just a shame that the last one was so horrible. What was the last one? Was it PC or did they come out on one of the platforms? X, Xbox 360. Really? How did I it miss came that out, game? It came out about 10 years ago. Okay. Yeah, the, the PC version was just freaking awesome. I love that. I mean, I would still play it to this day if I had a copy of it, but... Um, actually, I'm sure I could probably find one if I really look hard enough. Well, it's actually funny. You know, back in the day in high school, we had a what we called, you know, you talk about PC games. We had the Quake 2 break crew. So during our, you know, mid-morning break at, in high school, we'd go into the computer lab and someone had pirated a copy of Quake 2 <laughs> and stuck it out all the computer lab computers. Right on. That is freaking awesome. All right. So let's, let's jump back for a sec. Um now, like I had already told you, we do the Baby T Chronicles every uh, every episode. And right now, my wife is 36 weeks pregnant. Um, right now, it, it, today is uh, the 15th of December. Tomorrow, we have another baby doc appointment. And honestly, I don't know what all they're going to look at on this appointment. The last one, they did a, a, a swab. They always check her weight, check her blood pressure, monitor the baby's heart for a little bit, make sure everything sounds good. And up to this point, you know, knock on wood, everything has been. But I tell you, there's one thing that, or one of the things that a lot of guys have told me in the past is that, oh man, when my wife is pregnant, I got, I got the morning sickness with her, or I got, you know, I had the weight gain or whatever, right? Yeah. Or the moodiness. Um, well, you know, I would never say I'm moody, but I will say that these last, like the last month, ever since a little before Thanksgiving, I swear I'm putting on as much weight as my wife is. Um, I have never been as heavy as I am right now, and it drives me nuts. Well, let's also remember it is the holidays. I mean, that's true. I mean, you got the holidays, you got the winter weight, you know, because um, I've definitely put on weight for the winter. But 
I don't know, man. Like the last couple of weeks almost, it, it seems like I went from 260, now I'm up to 270. And I'm like, holy shit, how the hell did that happen? And um, I've always been kind of a big guy, but I've never been this big of a guy. And I don't know. Just, it's the weirdest shit. I don't know what's going on with that. Um, now, like when you, you've obviously got kids. I can hear them in the background, especially when we first started chatting. Um, how many kids you got? All together? Yeah. <laughs> how many well, do you have to live with you? How about that? We have two that stay with us in the RV and a freshman in high school that stays with grandma who lives just down the road because she just didn't want to get crammed all the way up in the RV with the rest of us. Um, and, of course, she's a freshman in high school, so mom and dad are just kind of, you know, passe now. She doesn't want to be seen with us, all that good stuff. Right, right, right. So, but all all told, there are seven kids between myself and my wife. Holy crap. Um, that, that, wow. How do you... Three boys and four girls. Wow, that is crazy. I can't imagine that many. Um, like, like I told you when we were kind of chatting back and forth on Messenger, my wife and I, we've been married 17 years, and this is going to be our first child. And... I mean, I would love to say we're going to have at least one more, but I'm 45. My wife just turned 40 in October. I don't know if that's going to happen or not, you know, but well, if it does, you just never know that that's true. Like one of the guys I work with, he said his brother, him and his wife were married 13 years. They never had any kids. They always wanted them. Uh, they'd even started talking about adopting and then she got pregnant and it's like, all right, cool. We got our first one. And then they got pregnant again and again. And I think now they've got like four kids. So you never know, you know, what happens, happens. You know, God, God's got his plans and we, we're just here living with them. <laughs> but um, now the thing I was going to ask though is during the pregnancy, was there, did your wife go through any kind of like food cravings or, you know, like midnight, hey, I want that slice of cheesecake and you're going to eat it with me kind of deal? Well, the majority of uh, this last pregnancy, I worked in the oil field, and uh, I was in, I was in and out. So my time home was, I, I got, you know, I never really heard any of the cravings. Gotcha. Yeah, with my wife, her thing, she she loves. says she didn't have any. <laughs> My my wife, she loves, she's never been a sweets person, but for whatever reason, you know, right now, the baby loves the sweets, and that's got her loving the sweets. And so I know, and I've always been a sweet tooth, I know that's where a lot of uh, my issues are, are from right now. But, uh, all right. Tell you what, let's go ahead and shift and say, uh, so what, what did you do in the service? I was a 91 Bravo wheel vehicle repair in the U.S. Army. Um, I served for six years. I was with uh, 4th Infantry Division, uh, 4th Combat Aviation Brigade to be specific. And I was, and then we BRAC moved as a unit to uh, Fort Bliss, and which we reflagged as the 501st Combat Aviation Brigade under 1st Armored, which was a uh, Interesting to say the least. Uh, I can't say I like Fort Bliss better than Hood or Hood better than Bliss because 
Well, they both kind of suck. <laughs> gotcha. Well, it could be worse. You could have been a Marine and been in 29 Palms. I hear everybody hates that place. Ain't that the truth. I've heard the same thing. And then when... Uh, now, did you have anything... The reason I'm about to ask this next question is there was a podcast that was out a while, few years ago called Cigars and Sea Stories. And one of the things they would do is they would get guys on the show and they would basically just shoot the shit, you know, and tell sea stories, you know, funny things that happened that nobody else ever knew happened. And do you have anything like that that, um, that happened that's funny that you won't get too much in too much trouble if you say around your wife? You know, I, there's a bunch of stories that I could tell, um, but because they all involve other people. Ah, gotcha. And I'd hate for them to listen to the podcast and be like, I know that story. Yeah. So I'm going to keep most of the stories to myself this time because um, I just don't want to throw anyone under the bus. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. Uh, I know during my time we had, uh, I got lucky. I was, I was Navy, but I was shore duty my whole enlistment. Um, I was only in for four years. I was 94 to 98 and I got stationed in Guam to work with a bunch of ordnance men testing uh, missiles and stuff like that. And man, we had everything from guys that, uh, Got hooked up with, with dancers, if you will. And that just took them down a slippery spiral slope of oblivion. And drinking was usually the biggest thing out in Guam. Um, drinking age was 18 out there. And there were a lot Well, that's of always fun. Yeah, there were a lot of people. They just should not have been drinking at that age. Um, yeah, that was that was bad. <laughs> Um, I had this thing where, and speaking of dancers, I actually had a couple that were roommates and I got lucky enough to get, um, per permission to move off base and I had an apartment. So I had dancers as roommates and there's this one nightclub that some of them worked at that it was run by this little uh, Korean couple, uh, Mama-san and Papa-san. And they swore up and down, I was good luck. Because every night that I came in and I was, you know, like I dropped the girl off, um, off, off at the, at work, right. I would buy the first drink and then I'd get up and I'd leave. And they swore it that night. They were just swamped with customers, busy as hell. So they made a deal with me. They said, you come in, you buy first drink, you drink rest of night free. I'm like, okay, I can do that. And, uh, I, mean, I never like overly took advantage of it, but you know, I would bring, I'd come in, I'd drop off my roommate. I'd sit down, get the first drink, pay for it. And then I would get up and I'd, I'd go some other club. I'd go do whatever, but then I'd come back usually like nine o'clock, have a couple of drinks for free, go out to another club somewhere, have a, you know, and then come back. And the way I usually did it is since I dropped them off, I'd also pick them up at, at, uh, at the end of the night. And so I'd get to the club, I'd have one more drink and depending on how I felt would depend on if I just went out to my car and slept until they got done for the rest of the night, or I would go out to the car, I'd make myself puke 
And then I'd go to sleep and sleep it off. And then by the time they'd get off work, I'd be fine. I'd be rested, good to go. And we'd drive home. And that was my weekend for like, I don't know, a year, year and a half. Well, I can tell you from experience that telling a service member that buy your first drink and the rest are free is a dangerous, dangerous game to play. Oh, that it is. Fortunately, I don't think they serve Jägermeister at that club because that was a drink that another dancer I had dated um, got me hooked on. Oh, that was a deadly brew, man. The, the night I was leaving Guam to come back stateside, Everybody took me out to, you know, for that last night, uh, last hurrah, right? And I'd been drinking 32-ounce margaritas, had a couple shots, and I'm feeling it. And it's not even 10 o'clock at night yet. And so I tell myself, all right, I need to get up and I need to get away from, the, from, from all this for at least a little bit. So a couple of people were going down to the ATM to get a drink, or I mean, to, to get some cash. So I'm like, all right, I'm going with them. I'll be back in a few minutes. So I get up. We walk down to the ATM. We come back, and there's like, uh, my mind tells me there was probably 10 to 15 shots lined up on the table for me. I look at the shots. I look at all the people. I'm like, there's no way in hell I'm doing all this. Y'all are helping me with this shit. So I, I started doing shots with people. And I think at that point, it was, I wasn't drinking Jägermeister. I think that was... Uh, product called Baron Jaeger or Baron Jaeger or something like that. It was like a honey flavored Jaegermeister. That sounds evil. Oh, that was evil. That was pure evil in a bottle. But it, it did its job. It got me drunker than hell. And af after that, I remember we all said we're going to Denny's to get something to eat. That's the last I remember until one of my buddies is picking me up off the floor in Denny's. He, he's a little, he was a uh, short Samoan dude, but stocky and strong as hell. He grabs me by the shirt and picks me up. And I remember this part. He's like, Shad, I love you. He might have called me Turner. I don't know. He's like, man, I love you. But if you end up on the floor again, I'll make sure you stay there. And I just looked him right in the eye. I'm like, yes, sir. Okay. And so he sat me down in the seat. I don't remember what I ate or if I ate anything. I'm sure I did. I just don't remember. But um, the next thing I remember is waking up at my buddy's apartment, hugging his toilet, looking down at my pants that had puke all over the front side and going, damn it, I was going to wear these on the airplane home. And, uh, no problem. And so at that point, I'm like, I look at my, my watch. I'm like, oh, shit, because I, I still had to take my, clo or my, my luggage to the airport and get checked in. Then haul ass back to base to turn my car in so it could get shipped back to the States. And then, of course, our XO, who was our new XO, he decided he wanted to be the one to take me to the airport. Which, at that point, I didn't really care who took me to the airport. But, you know that, that phrase, loose lips sink ships? Yeah, he asked me questions while I was still pretty much three sheets to the wind that... Um, my understanding is that changed the uh, the the way things worked at that command from that point on, because a lot oh of us, Lord. yeah, a lot of us that were like first timers, it was our first enlistment, and we got stationed out there. We did what I did. We we extended 
to the end of our enlistment and we got out. Well, my understanding is he made it to where they couldn't do that anymore. So I, sorry guys, I, I fucked that one up. But, um, but yeah, that was my understanding of, of what happened after I left is that a lot of people that were trying to extend their enlistment or their, um, their duty at that station to the end of their enlistment and get out, they got all that shit denied and then they had to go out to the regular fleet from that point on. And, uh, yeah. So you're the warning label for Guam. Absolutely. I, I accept that responsibility because I fucked it up. <laughs> Anyways. All right. Well, let's, let's move on from, from this uh, madness. And what is it that you do now? Uh, or let me rephrase. What is it you do now, and does it relate to what you like to build or create? Well, I am a trained mechanic, and... Uh, you know, obviously from being in the military. And uh, right now I w- I'm working on uh, uh, foundation drilling rigs. And in my spare time, I work on cars, trucks, uh, lift kits, wheels, tires, um, install bumper replacements. Basically what I wind up doing is I wind up building people's dream trucks. Nice. Which, you know, it, it, I got into it professionally about four or five years ago maybe longer. And, uh, in the process, you know, it just, it, it's, a, it's a hell of a lot of fun to take my experience from the military and, you know, trying to get home these stuff. And, I mean, and, uh, trans, uh, transition that to civilian side and helping people realize their dreams. Okay. So, would it be safe to say that one of those dreams is building like awesome off-roaders? Yes, that that is uh yeah, just yes, you can go play with them. Just report back to me. <laughs> um yes, uh I've built some pretty awesome gnarly, you know, lifted big swampers, trucks that may or may not get broken quicker than your average truck gotcha. because they get abused they get taken out into places where you know normal pickups just should not go right and do you have one of these um, awesome off-roaders yourself or i've had a couple in my time um as of right now you know with the kids and everything you know, I got my service truck that I'm planning on doing things to. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the in the meantime, I just live vicariously through others. There you go. There you go. I am totally in that boat right now. But uh, now, um, now, do you do any of this as like side work to bring in extra money, or or uh, how does how does that relate? Yes, uh, I do try to get into side work as often as I can. Lately, it's mostly been simple repairs, major repairs. I'm in the process of doing a uh, clutch job on a 2004 Ram 2500 heavy duty with the 24-valve HO high output. Uh, it's a four-wheel drive. It's lifted. and you know, Just trying to do a clutch on that entertaining. 
to say the least. So Dodge did not make it um, mechanic friendly. I'm not saying it's not mechanic friendly, but it's just hard to do when you don't have a lift. Because if at any time I needed to pull the transmission out out from underneath the truck, mm-hmm. I would have had to have lifted all four corners of the truck, set it down on jack stands, and the shop I'm doing it at right now only has two jack stands big enough to <coughs> make it safe. Gotcha. Okay. Um, now, I do have to ask you another, and I mentioned this in when we were talking before we started recording, is that you had mentioned you live in an RV. Yes. Now, one thing, I, I find it fascinating that you can get that, uh, that many people. Uh, what was it? You, your wife, two kids, two dogs, and two cats into yes. an RV. Um, I've been trying to sell my wife on the idea of moving in and living on our boat, but I know she doesn't like that idea. Um, years ago, I got a 48-foot boat that someone was giving away for free because they couldn't take care of it anymore. And after sinking it three times in a year, the marina they had it at said, you need to get rid of this. We don't care where it goes, just it cannot stay here. So the guy put it on Craigslist. My buddy saw the ad. He contacted me. We contacted the guy. Next thing I know, I've got a boat. Now, the engines are shot. Um, I'm, I've got two engines up in Austin that need to be rebuilt. Um, so the engine or the boat has not been moving under its own power in many, many years. But it's a, right now, it's a battle to clean everything up and then redo everything. But how is it living in, in tight quarters with people, especially uh, little ones? It can be challenging. Um, you know, it sometimes, a lot of times it takes the patience of a job that I don't necessarily have. I mean, I have more patience, I like to think, than the average person from my experiences of being a mechanic because that takes patience. But uh, it, it can be a challenge to live in tight quarters. Now, where you got the little, little one coming, Mm-hmm. It might be a little bit easier, but where I got toddlers, they're all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, that's one thing that I, I fully understand my wife's hesitation um, because once the little one becomes a toddler, you know, there's stairways that she can tumble down. There's edges of the boat she could fall off of and into the water. So I think that's, you know, before we, we found out that we are pregnant, I think I was like this close to having her sold on the idea. But then once we became pregnant, it's, um, yeah, that, that's pretty much out of the water. But I was looking at it as, man, we got the boat. It's only this much per month to have it at the slip. Get rid of the house. We save a shit ton of money. And then we buy our dream house out in the country, or at least a piece of property that we, um, that we enjoy and get the hell out of Houston. But, uh, yeah. All those well, I don't blame are... you for wanting to get out of Houston. Now, where do you, where do you, whereabouts are you living? Canyon Lake, Texas. Oh shit! I used to used to go up there many many times. I I grew up out in Bandera. I used to I used to bum around down to South Texas between like Divine and Hondo and Lytle and all those areas too. So right on, right on. So now another thing that uh, you wanted to mention. 
though, is you guys have a nonprofit that you're doing, correct? That is correct. And what's going on with that? Well, our nonprofit is called Heroes of Hard Hats. We are a uh, not-for-profit organization that uh, aids in connecting military veterans, either transitioning, homeless, unemployed, or underemployed, with uh, jobs that pay what in the state of Texas is a living wage. You know, in the state of Texas, it takes, uh, if I remember my numbers correctly, something like 16 to 18 percent, no, 16 to 18 dollars an hour to afford a two bedroom without spending more than 30, 33% of your income. Mm -hmm. So we aim for jobs that pay higher, you know, $20 an hour and higher to be able to facilitate uh, people being able to live above that median in Texas. Gotcha. And how long have y'all been doing that? We started in 2017. And in the last two years, we've helped over 200 veterans. Nice. Very good, man. And are you are you teamed up with any particular companies or just you look look for jobs all over? Well, for the last two years, we've had contacts inside of uh, H&P Drilling, Patterson UTI Drilling. Um, she has the list of all the companies because, like, myself, since 20... You know, for a while, I've worked in the uh, oil field as well. So me being gone and home and gone and home, I don't do as much with the organization as I want to. Mm -hmm. um, but she does the majority of the work. And uh, um, I, I'm just the mouthpiece. And it was my idea in the first place. So Right on. So if someone wanted to get with you guys and get one of these jobs that, that you can find how do they do that they can find us on facebook it's facebook.com slash heroes to hard hats uh if they search heroes to hard hats on facebook we are typically the first result um, we actually just got a shout out from a uh, bear with me here i need to go back and look uh, but we just got a shout out by a government official in California on their page for what we do. And, um, you know, we've been recognized by the governor of Texas and other officials. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, if they, if they look out there and they want to, you know, look us up, they, they can find information on us. To make sure we are legit but uh yeah here's the hard hats on facebook is the best way to find us and we do respond pretty rapidly mm -hmm. um it is a slow time right now because as most people their interest in the oil field know it's up and down right and right now it's unfortunately on a downslide doesn't necessarily mean it's going to stay on the downslide gotcha Okay. And so are you currently looking for more companies that are also willing to work with y'all? Every day, every day. If we could, the, the more companies, the more opportunities we have to connect veterans with high paying jobs, 
the better the, the, the better we can do our job in terms of <coughs> helping fight the the homeless crisis and in my eyes help fight the 22 a day crisis that the veteran community is currently facing as well because i believe that having a purpose in your life will aid not solve but aid in the hopelessness that some veterans that a lot of veterans may feel absolutely and i mean yeah i know when when i was doing um i'd done handyman work for a while and when i started getting to the end of that was because we were actually about ready to lose our house and my wife had been off in costa rica visiting with family and um I'd kind of hid a lot of that from her and, you know, tried to protect her from the shit show that was coming. And when she finally found out that that wasn't a pretty time, but needless to say, then that's when I went out and I started looking for work. And I got in with the company I work for now doing the overhead crane work. And thanks to them, I was able to save the house. But I know when you get into that, that moment when you're like, fuck, we're going to lose your house, we're going to lose everything, what the hell do I do? You know, that's a real easy time for people to get down that, that slippery slope and uh, go the wrong way. But it's good to hear that there's people like y'all that are trying to help, you know, help people find work that isn't the $15 an hour. Because on I've got that page that I mentioned to you, um, Hire a Veteran Houston. And one of the things that a lot of the people get kind of pissed about on the veteran side is oh, all these jobs that people are posting are only offering, you know, 15 to $17 an hour. I need more than that. You know, I've got real bills going on. I've got a house I'm about to lose. I got whatever. And, you know, and, and what I tell the uh, applicants that come through us is find something in the interim because it's not always a, you know, instant process. You know, it's a lot of hurry up and wait in terms of getting hired in the oil field. I know people that waited three, four, five months for a callback after they put in their application in. Right. And then even after the callback, they're waiting a couple months before their interview or before they start. So I always recommend that people find something in the interim that pays good enough to at least keep your house. Yeah. Yeah, I know right now I'm at a point where you know, once this baby's born, uh, my wife is terrified of what I do. She hates the fact that I work on overhead cranes. I'm up in a in a man lift, you know, 30, 50 feet up in the air. And so I think once the baby's born, you know, I'm, I'm probably going to have to do a little bit of soul searching and see, see what I want to do. Well, the oil field is not for the faint of heart either because, <laughs> you know, you're up in the man lift. Oh, yes. We're up in a man lift, and as you as – you know, something I like to say is in order to move up, you got to be able to go up to the to the uh, monkey board up on the derrick. Mm-hmm. And that itself, on an average drilling rig, you're 30, you know, the floor is 30 feet off the ground. And then the board is about 80 feet off the floor. Oh, wow. So you're 110 feet in the air and you're looking through, you know, the fingers, which are about five inches across mm-hmm. gap. And you're also walking on steel that you can look down through because it's, uh, you know, it the the way it's designed. It, I mean, they can't 
I, I haven't been on a rig that has a solid steel board. Right. It's always the, the graded decking. Yes. Yep. Kind of like what you probably do with, with the overhead crane. Yeah, some of the older ones are, are that that steel graded, you know, decking. And, oh, man, that, that shit's hard on the knees if you got to kneel down to look in an electrical panel or something. But, well, you were in the Navy. You ought to have some knee pads. <laughs> well, that is true. I do own knee pads. Um, I try to stay off those as much as possible now. <laughs> but um, let's see. Is there anything else you want to want to mention? You know, with the heroes or hard hats or anything else you got going on? Honestly, we're not out here to do it to get praise. We, you know, the the accolades are great. But I don't care if anyone outside of who we help notices what we do. As long as we can help keep families off the streets, mm-hmm. take homeless veterans that are currently on the streets and put them into houses. You know, I mean, if we can get someone employed, even, you know, give them a reason for being, yeah. that, that, that's our ultimate goal. Awesome. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. I will definitely put all of that, the Heroes or Hard Hats info, into the show notes. Um, do you want me to put anything about your um, um, car expertise in there as well? Well, if they want to reach out to me, they can contact us through Heroes or Hard Hats. Uh, my my page is a private page, so here uh, reach out to me through Heroes or Hard Hats. If you're in the Central Texas area between Austin and San Antonio, mm-hmm. and you need some work done on your vehicle, you can reach me through the Heroes to Hard Hats page. Just make sure you make it clear that you are trying to reach me and not the organization itself. And as I grow my personal company, um, I will be creating a new page and I'll update everyone. Awesome. All right. Well, Mike, I appreciate your time. Uh, we're run well i know i've got the i'm not i think we're about 30 40 minutes on the interview so far and uh, i'm gonna go ahead and uh, let you get going because i know you got a, a family that you know you just brought groceries home and then you jumped in the call with me and i appreciate the hell out of that and uh, well they're they're off taking our teenage daughter to uh her boyfriend's house for a birthday party so Oh, they left me at they left me at grandma's to uh move around some laundry oh joy <laughs> all right mike well you have yourself a wonderful day enjoy doing that um i'm actually heading to my in-laws to pick up something and then we're going grocery shopping so you gotta looks love like we're on opposite <laughs> say, it looks like we're on opposite sides of the spectrum today pretty much pretty much so like I said, I appreciate it. You have yourself a good one, and I will definitely get uh, get the info out to you, man. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, and thank you for having me on here. It's been an absolute pre- uh, pleasure. And, no uh, you know, y'all may have beat us yesterday, but uh, we at least beat you <laughs> the last, two, last three years. That's true. That's true. You did. So, all right. I'll talk to you later, man. Take it easy, brother. You too. Bye. Bye. And there you have it, folks. There's my interview with Mr. Duke Nukem himself, Mike Nukem. 
Now, after our conversation, he did update me. He does have a Facebook page for his personal automotive work that he does. And if you want to find that, look up Shade Tree Texas. And that is facebook.com forward slash Shade Tree Texas. And that'll take you to his automotive page. So I hope you enjoyed the today's show. This is kind of a new direction I'm heading to. I'm trying to bring a little bit of comedy into it, trying to be a little more like myself rather than... I, in the past, I always felt like I was a stuffy dude trying to do this, and I'm trying to bring a little little more of a natural me, if you will, to, to everything. And uh, like I said, if you enjoyed it, please, by all means, hit the like, hit the share, hit the follow button, whatever platform you're on that you're listening to this, and make sure you you subscribe to what I'm putting out there. That way you can stay up to date with everything I've got going on. Um, also, you know, coming up, you know, like I said, we're, we're 36 weeks on the Baby T Chronicles. So, you know, the baby could come at any time, although, you know, typically first-time pregnancies do last a little bit longer, or at least uh, full-term anyways. But we'll see what happens. And with that, I say thank you. Thank you for listening. Please share it with your family, friends, anyone that you think could use the messages that we're putting out there. And uh, I'll see you all next time.